Hello and welcome to episode three of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com, a look at how journalists and everyone reach the world. I'm Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta, and I'm thrilled to welcome today's guest. For the last decade, she has been one of the foremost video journalists in the city of Denver. She is a two-time NPPA Regional Photographer of the Year. She's won countless NPPA awards, both as a videographer and as a solo video journalist, and she's done it for both TV and newspaper. Anne Herbst, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Glad we could finally do it. Absolutely. You're a busy person, which I've learned the hard way over the last few weeks. <laughs> um, and that just comes with the territory, right? Yeah, just the last the last two weeks. You know, it sweeps. Um, the tornadoes had a big effect on what happened this week. We had a lot of people go. We had five people from our station go down to Oklahoma, and uh, I was just pitching in. Wow. Now, I know I covered a little bit of your bio there. You're the assistant chief photographer currently at KDVR, the Fox affiliate in Denver, as well as KWGN-TV. But fill in the blanks for me a little bit. Give me kind of the short version of how you became interested in journalism and in photography, video journalism, and also how you found your way to Denver. Um, well, you know, I started as a newspaper reporter which is very odd. I was an entertainment reporter for a newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where I went to college. And then I, uh, just in my last semester of school, I don't want to go back that far, but I will because a professor told me I had taken one video class. Uh, it was video for newspaper reporters because that was just starting to become a thing. And she told me, you know, you're a better video person than you are a writer for a newspaper. Maybe you need to examine that. <laughs> it was tough because it was my last semester and I decided oh, I'll go get my master's degree in Colorado. So that's what I did. I came to Colorado, fell in love with it, did an internship at KUSA and uh, totally ditched the whole print thing for the time being and uh, decided I was going to be a photojournalist for a television station. And that's kind of how that happened. I went to work in Wichita for about a year and came back to KUSA taking my mentor's job. My mentor at KUSA left and recommended that they hire me. And that's how kind of how I got to KUSA in Denver. And that's kind of how I got to, you know, I, I had the best teachers. My um, I had the best mentor ever at KUSA. His name is Shane McEachern. He works in Philadelphia now. Um, and... I never had a bad experience in journalism. I wasn't ever at a crappy station. Um, I was just lucky that way. So I never learned any really terrible habits. Yeah, KUSA, for those who don't know, one of the preeminent shops in the country for video journalism, filled with folks that, uh, that people like us in other markets and local news really, really look up to. So, And it must have been a great place for you. I would imagine it's where you probably developed your style, really learned from a lot of the people who shaped the photographer that you now are. Yeah, I think um, that's where I developed my whole outlook on how I was going to do my career and where I was going to take my career. Um, first off, I got there and I didn't have a lot of experience so not a lot of the top tier people really wanted to work with me. So I started writing my own stories so I could get some of those good stories on air. And um, that's kind of how I got to the next step with me becoming a solo video journalist. But yeah, it kind of just shaped the, my whole career working there. 
Well, and that's the transition that I really wanted to talk with you about first, your transition from being a traditional photographer at KUSA to becoming a solo video journalist with the Denver Post. So what is it that made you want to make that leap? Because it's not a very common leap. Yeah, you know, I was always interested in writing. Obviously, I started out as a print reporter, and that was something that I never let go of. Yeah, you could call me just a photographer at KUSA, but I was probably writing about three, four packages a month and all of my uh, all of my own Vosots, all of my own kind of shorter little things that I went out and shot by myself. Um, but I really, I needed it to be more. Uh, I wanted to see if I could do it. I didn't want to go to a small market to see if I could do it. And this was the way that I had kind of figured out that maybe this is the way that I can try it is if I call up the uh, newspaper and see if they'll take me. And it took a while. And I got the idea from a couple of other people. A couple other people have made this leap, have done the same thing, gone, been a pretty successful television photojournalist and gone into the newspaper world. Like Darren Durlach is in Boston right now. And a couple other people I know have gone back into TV, but had tried the um, newspaper thing for a little bit. And I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to see if I could do it. Um, being just a photographer had started to kind of feel a little bit easy and, and, and I don't want to make it sound like it's an easy job, but it wasn't as much of a challenge to me anymore. And I felt like I needed that. Well, and it would seem to me that in my experience, most reporters and photographers who are approached with the possibility of becoming a solo video journalist very quickly balk at the idea in part because to some degree, while they're both forms of storytelling, in a lot of ways, the skill sets required to do both are, are pretty different in terms of the aesthetics required to shoot video as opposed to the, the, the craft of writing and, and doing the digging of reporting and whatnot. But you, it would seem, kind of had both in your blood from the beginning. Right. That, that's exactly it. Um, I wasn't getting to do it enough at KUSA. And I really, really wanted to do it more. And it's super challenging. The writing part is maybe a little bit a um, little bit harder for me, but or that that news gathering part of it is a little bit harder for me. Um, I, I don't want to say the writing part is harder, but the getting to the writing part is harder, like the logging and, oh, my God, I got to go and do all these interviews by myself type of stuff. Right. Um, so it's, it's definitely very different, and it was a lot more challenging than being just a photographer. Um, but I kind of feel like it's it's going to make me a better – it's going to make me a better teammate now, too. I can do a little bit of everything, which I suggest everyone tries to do. <laughs> that is very good advice. I know when I – I find that – and again, it, for me, it's a little bit different because when I do work with someone, I'm the reporter and, and I'm working with a photographer. So the physical strain is not nearly as rough on me in those particular situations. But for the most part, I'm shooting and editing my own stories and – and it does take a toll on you, both physically and mentally, in just obviously physically you're carrying around all the gear and everything, but mentally, you know, it really does take a toll in having to keep every aspect of the storytelling process in mind. You really do have to be able to kind of compartmentalize about four or five different responsibilities yeah, and keep them going all at the same time. I always talk about this part of it. I really enjoy the shooting part and the setting up of the story and getting back and logging and writing. And, and my favorite part used to be editing. 
And when I'm a solo video journalist, my least favorite part is editing. Cause really? I'm like, seriously, I got to do this too. At the end of all this, <laughs> can I just be done now? Um, I'm back to enjoying editing because I'm writing a little bit less now, but that was a real struggle for me when I was doing the SVJ thing every single day. Um, having, you know, at the end of the day, I still had to put the freaking story together and that, <laughs> that really surprised me about it. Um, I didn't realize it would be like that. Uh, but yeah, I hated getting to the editing part of it. Did you, um, did you have to go on camera as well? No, I didn't do any of that there. Um, right before I left, I had kind of started toying with the idea. I was going to do some standups and start working on that. And this uh, opportunity came up and I couldn't pass it up. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this then, having done it and, and having seen it at both the TV and, and newspaper levels, what is the viability and potential of backpack journalism? When does it work? When doesn't it work? What should news directors across media keep in mind when they're considering incorporating backpack journalism with their staffs? Seriously, I think like every TV station should have at least one good backpack journalist yeah. because they can just go out and get stuff done alone without you having to worry about sending an entire crew. I think it's a you know, I think there are good ones. There are really, really terrible ones out there. And we all know that. Um, I, I just, I, I wish that we had one here. We don't have one here. And, you know, I, I'd say you got to be scouting your, your good ones and you have to be grooming the good ones, the ones that have potential now. Um, but it's such a great tool for a newsroom. I think it's such an amazing tool for a newsroom. What I don't do want to you call feel... a person a tool. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like your current newsroom misses out on because they don't have a backpack journalist on the staff? I just think it would help with staffing issues if we have a good one. And I know the good ones out there. Um, I just, I really feel like it can help with staffing issues when there are some. And, and that one person can go to the far reaches of the state and get the same thing as a two-person crew could go and get. And you're not, you're not kind of spending two people. You're just spending one person. Yeah. Um, now I'm saying hire good ones and hire ethical ones and hire ones that can tell good stories by themselves. But, um, but I just think it helps so much with staffing issues. And that's what everyone is going through right now. Everyone complains about staffing issues. For sure. All right. So now that we've compared the, the good and the bad, the merits and demerits of solo video journalism, Let's talk about a different comparison, newspaper versus television. You went from being uh, on, again, one of the most highly regarded TV station photographic staffs in the country to working for the top newspaper in the Denver area, the Denver Post. Mm -hmm. What made you want to take that leap in terms of becoming a video journalist at a newspaper? Well, it was the it was what, like I said before, it was kind of what was going to allow me to do that. I didn't want to go to a small market. So I had to figure out a way that I could make the jump. And that was going to be the way that I could make the jump was that I was going to go and try this out in a newspaper. And it is so different. I mean, talking about the differences, there couldn't be more. There could not be more. I'm still doing my job and I'm doing it as best as I can. And I'm still trying to do uh, great video images because it was such a fantastic photography newspaper and they expected that from me. Um, you know, they maybe wanted a little less TV, TV style from me. So I don't know that I really shook that. Um, 
that was always kind of the problem, maybe a bit of a problem because that was my background. I had done seven years in television before I went into the newspaper and my style is very TV because I am, was a television person for so many years. <laughs> and I'm not even sure what that means. What does TV style really mean? Yeah. I just, I just was trying to tell good stories there. Um, but the workflow is quite a bit different. Um, you're online, so you have to get something up immediately when breaking news happens. Uh, it, it's that very different in that way. Uh, like when the Aurora theater shooting happened, you know, I wanted to get stuff up immediately so people could see it immediately. And I don't know that TV stations are really paying that much attention to getting up video immediately on their website. So that was one huge difference that I had to learn. And now when I do talks for NPPA and whatnot, I always talk about why not get something up real quick on your website. And how ironic is that, that it's the television stations that are having to be dragged to think about getting video on their websites? Yeah, I know. It's pretty insane. And, and I think when I talk about it, people, the light bulb in people's heads go off. I show them examples of things that I just put up immediately once I recorded them during the Aurora Theater shooting. And they're like, oh, it doesn't have to be a full package. It can just be like a five-minute press conference that you just put up online because people want information. I know it's crazy. Uh, TV websites for the most part, I don't know many good ones. Yeah. Now a few months ago I had a really great opportunity to go across the country for my parent company of Gannett and basically train a variety of our newspaper staffs on how to shoot video and post it to the web. And it was very enlightening for me in a lot of ways in that a, I got to, really see how newspapers operate in a way that I had never really appreciated before. But beyond that, to see the way that they were treating video and to realize how much even TV stations could benefit from just the things that we were teaching the newspapers, as if we were already doing it ourselves in a lot of cases. But we were teaching newspaper reporters and photographers to shoot video with their iPhones and get it up on the web. And to me, that's something that would never really click or would never really come into the mind of a TV journalist because we have such high-powered cameras and the ability to capture these amazing images that it wouldn't necessarily jump to our minds, I think, right away to say, oh, let me pull out my phone to shoot a video that we can just put on the web right now. Oh, right. It's still a struggle to get people to take a photo and send it back, (laughs) right? Right? It's still totally crazy to try to get people to do that. And, uh, yeah, there's so much that could be learned from looking into that newsroom, I think. And, um, I'm trying to build that up here. I don't know how long that will take, but you're absolutely right. I can imagine that that had to have been a crazy experience for you to see, oh yeah, this is what we should be doing. Um, people don't kind of the sad thing is, is that I paid a lot of attention to numbers. How many people are watching my videos online? Uh, when I was at the post, because we could track it and we could track when they dumped out of it. And I noticed that, you know, the ones that I spent two months working on sometimes got less hits than the raw press conference that I just plopped online for people <laughs> to watch. It's because people want information. Yeah. Um, I still totally believe in good storytelling, but I believe in adding that good storytelling and later and first getting up the information. Did you find that you would get the same traffic like? You know, take kind of any of the great NPPA stories uh, that that you did that that would win awards. Would you find that those would get the same traffic and the same number of hits on the Denver Post that they would get 
on KUSA and now at KDVR? You know, I'm ashamed to say that I didn't really pay attention to that at KUSA because you're trained to pay attention to like ratings sure, and when people dump out. So I, I have no idea. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I did a story in conjunction with KUSA. I did a couple of those in my two years at the post or my year and a half at the post. It'd be interesting to compare where the story was watched for. Yeah. Um, I had a couple award-winning stories that I did in, con- you know, in conjunction with KUSA. And I, I would love to see, um, how long the, how many, how long people watched the six minute story on our website compared to theirs. Mm. I have no idea. Now, how are you treated on the newspaper side? Because I, I, I will say that, you know, one of the other things that I noticed in going to these different newspapers is that they all had very differing attitudes and maybe different progressions on how they thought of video and in, in terms of the respect they gave to video in general, in terms of just how they wanted to use it as a tool for their own, uh, you know, audience and their own websites. What was it like at the Denver Post? What was the philosophy there? And were you kind of, you know, were you kind of almost telling them how it was because you probably had more expertise in terms of video than 99% of the people on the staff? Um, yeah, I, I kind of was brought in to help it a little bit. They were already doing a little bit of it. They had two people doing it. Um, they had just lost their third and they brought me in to kind of help teach. Now, I don't know how well that went. Um, I had a few workshops. It's, I think everyone knows how newspaper people feel about TV people. I think everyone <laughs> on the planet. How, how, knows that be? That. How, how do they feel, Anne? <laughs> Do you know how they feel? I have an idea, but I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to ask you what you think. I feel awkward saying it. No, I don't. You know, when I was a newspaper person, I was like, I'll never get in TV. That's, you know, that's like second tier journalism there. Yeah. That's I, I not. Think, I, I will say that the people that I, um, that I worked with at the newspapers were very, it, it, sometimes it would take them a while. And especially to have, you know, and, and, and I would go in with a team of three to five people and there would be a variety of newspaper and TV folks on there. So we came in as a united front. We tried to convey that. But um, certainly, you know, there were people who really uh, were willing to listen right away. But for most people, I think if there was one thing that they never really took a shine to, it was that, as you, I think, put it, the TV style that, you know, very ultra polished, that very, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a, a Ron Burgundy-ish type style right. that, that I think they they accuse TV folks of having in mass. Right. No, that's I think you I think you hit that on the head. Like TV is cheesy, you know, TV isn't real. You can't get real meat in television. You know, newspaper reporters, one big thing that I did learn is that they can devote a lot of people to one story over a very long period of time. All last year, I worked on one story with a group of six reporters. I'm like, oh my gosh, six reporters working on one thing (laughs) all year long. Um, That's insane to me. Uh, And and so there's probably a reason they think the way they do. Um, I hope that I change some people's opinions on it. Uh, I think that still photographers thought the video, some of them thought the video was really fun kind of more like a game or, you know, like, oh, I get to take out a camcorder and, and get video pictures. And, and I hope some of them do well with it there. I think some of them are just like, this is not what I got into this field for. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm an artist. Um, 
I don't know that all of them looked at TV photography as an art, which I of course do. And, and so that's always a struggle too. when you're just like butting heads over that type of thing, that type of opinion. Yeah. Well, and that said too, you know, I think when I watched your work at the post and, and I don't know if I actually told you this, but I would actually show a few of your pieces when we were doing classes on writing for video. And I think one of the reasons that I really liked showing your stuff was that it proved that you could do really just great, well-crafted, well-shot, well-edited, all, all just those, that, that, you know, really high-quality video journalism at a newspaper. And I think it was very liberating for a lot of folks to see that. Like, here is someone, and oh, by the way, she's entirely by herself. You know, that there might have been a reporter working on the story, you know, doing his or her own thing while you were out there, but you were basically responsible for your own content. And I think, you know... When I watched your work, I was always very impressed at how you were able to bridge the gap between doing these great, very well-produced, slick pieces, but also, you know, I think through your voice and through just your ability to kind of capture the human spirit, so to speak, really making them grounded and down-to-earth. And I think newspaper folks really do respond to that, even when it's in a video form. Yeah, I I got a lot of comments like that. Oh, you can do that for for a newspaper now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they get excited about that. One thing that there wasn't that they weren't so receptive to was the tracking. They did build me, build me a tracking booth, but that was obviously something I wanted to work on and to see okay. if I was any good at it. Um, right. they didn't, that was very TV to them, very cheesy that I was, that I was doing some tracking stuff. Uh, but they still supported me in it. I mean, my boss still built me a tracking booth. He's like, okay, I'll build you this thing. <laughs> and uh, you can do it if you want. I'd rather have you do more Nat Sound pieces, more documentary style stuff. But, um, you know, I, I I hope I changed some opinions over there. I don't know. I'll have to ask him when I'm a little <laughs> more removed from it. Yeah, now that there's been some distance, yeah. sure. Go back and check. Um, well, I the, the last kind of topic that I wanted to discuss with you and, and something that's becoming a tradition here on the Telling the Story podcast is really delving into advice for, for young journalists and up-and-comers and, and the kind of things they can learn. And I know you've done a lot of presentations and speeches. What's on your short list of things that young journalists coming out of college or even going into college need to know as they get into this business? I think, and I preach this so much, that you have to just learn how to do both things. You have to be a good photographer and you should be a good writer. Um, whatever one's your strong point, you know, steal from, steal from that to like, get better at the other thing. And, and what I mean by that is, like, when I go out and shoot, I am a pretty slow shooter. I'm a pretty fast editor. So I steal time from the editing for the shooting I'm a really fast writer and I'm a really slow logger. So I steal time from that. And, but you should just go out there and try to learn how to do both jobs because even if you end up just doing one, like it appears like I might just end up being a photographer who writes packages every once in a while. Um, but I've just become so much of a better teammate. I think that if I was to go back and work with some of the reporters at KUSA, they'd be surprised at how much more in tune I am with, with, their position with their reporting position. 
And there can be nothing better than that. And it's, it's great to go out and challenge yourself and try to be one of the best one man bands, try to be a, a good, really good one man band or one of the better one man bands in the country. Um, I don't know if I ever became, you know, I don't, I don't know how good I actually got, but I'm pretty proud, oh, I'm pretty proud of the fact that I tried it. And, and then I did it suck hardcore at it. Um, <laughs> I would say you turned out all right at it. It, it ended up being okay. And I, I would just say, <laughs> learn, you know, learn how to do both jobs. It, it's going to make you better at one job in the end. I think that actually even goes beyond just the choice between photographer and reporter. I think it just behooves young journalists so much now to learn everything about being a modern day journalist, mm-hmm. you know, from just the best ways to use social media to just understanding the technology and, and really understanding the web because so much of what we do now, I mean, I remember my first job, we didn't, we had a website and that was about it. It right. was updated maybe once a month. And, you know, I just think having background in so many things, whether it's, you know, just a basic understanding of computers and web code and, and even going beyond this, the basics of, of doing your package once a day, I think I just think it really does make a difference because you never know when you're going to need that kind of knowledge. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I absolutely I think, agree. It's it's it 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 drives me nuts when I don't know how to do something. I still don't know how to use our system where we input scripts, and it drives me insane that I have to email my <laughs> script to a reporter to put it in the system. It drives me nuts. Just learn everything you can and find that mentor that scares you. I talk about that a lot too. Don't find someone that always pats you on the back. I never had that. And um, I remember Eric K., my old boss at KUSA, like wrote little post-it notes for me to put up in my car about thing, bad things that I had been doing. Um, and I will say I never really had any bad habits but because I worked there. But he wanted me to become the best that I could be. I think he saw something in me. And you know, he would write wide, medium, tight, super tight on all these little post-its and stick it in my car. And I'll never forget <laughs> that. So find that mentor, find those people that scare the hell out of you and keep asking them for advice. You're in a, in a managerial position now uh, where I'm sure you'll be looking at a lot of new, you know, photojournalist applicants. When you, when you see the landscape and you see what young journalists are doing, what are most young journalists, both photographers and reporters and solo video journalists, what are they missing? What are they missing? Um, they're missing what I was just talking about. They're not, they're not being the photographers that I'm trying, that we're hiring um, or we're trying to hire. They're, they're missing being able to do everything. And they're, some of them are missing kind of that journalism, that journalist uh, taste, you know, they aren't finding their own, they can't find their own stories. And that's what I'm hoping to teach the new people we bring in. Um, I want people to be able to do everything and I want our staff to be the one that kind of changes how people feel about photographers. Um, we've got people writing that I don't think have ever written a story and it makes me so proud to see one girl that we just hired just wrote her first story and it's excellent. And I can't wait to see it edited down and, um, that's what that's what I think people are missing. Their want or um, interest in kind of knowing every part of the job. That's great. And let me ask you that question, but on a more specific level, in terms of the craft of storytelling. Yeah. What are folks missing? What is what is the best or the one thing that maybe more young journalists should be doing in terms of the crafting of their stories? Gosh, learning how to use a character. 
learning how to find your ah. character. Um, that's my huge thing. You watch any of my stories, uh, any of my stories that you can find online. It's always the biggest thing with me. And I'll get these really wonderful, sh- wonderfully shot stories that are so clean and great nat sound. And I don't care about them at all because there's not really something compa- a compelling person. It's really clean, but it's almost so clean. It's sterile. It doesn't have that nice, meaty, awesome character in it. And that's a, that's a big storytelling no-no to me when it's missing that. Mm. I found Is it today there... in a shopping story, in a Memorial Day shopping story, the one that everyone hates doing. We found a character. <laughs> what was the character? Oh, she was in it for, you know, like 30 seconds, and she was going around buying barbecue stuff, and she was hysterical. So, of course, you <laughs> have to use her. You just have to find that person that's going to make people connect to your story. You can shoot pretty sunset shots all day long with unicorns jumping through it. I don't care. I want a good per- – well, a unicorn would be really bad. Unicorn would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You can have all these pretty shots of mountains with sunsets, but in the end, what you remember is the person in the story. Also, you can have uh, all the pretty shots of mountains and sunsets because you're in Denver and you That's have true. those out there. That's so true. that helps a lot too. <laughs> um, one thing I also wanted to ask though, you know, when you look at younger journalists, what are the thing? is there one thing that you see that they're doing right that, that, you know, you look at young journalists and you say, wow, they're, I wish I had known that when I was first coming out. God. Um, it's okay to say no. Well, it, it's, it's hard. It's, this is a, that's a hard one for me to answer because I think there's a lot of things that people do right. Um, one big thing that I've noticed with a lot of younger people right now is that they're directly contacting me and asking me for critiques, and I've gotten a lot of that type of thing. And I don't know that I did that enough uh, when I was first starting out. I did it a little bit um, with a guy that works here, with my mentor at KUSA, but I was doing that to get a job. Um, I don't necessarily always think that these people are doing this to get a job. They're just doing, they're just sending me stuff to get better. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's really, really cool. Um, That's great to have kind of the, the nuts to send someone stuff month after month after month, especially like I'm kind of a harsh critiquer um, and people still come back and do it. And I'm, you know, we hired one of them here and she's going to be excellent. Is it, um, for you, is, would you say, especially now that you're in a, a position where obviously you're, you know, you're looking at young applicants, but you're also being such a, you know, well-known and highly regarded video journalist, people come to you with these kind of things. I would imagine that's got to be a really rewarding thing for you and, and probably one of the most rewarding parts of where you are today. It's fabulous. My favorite part of this is the teaching part and the critiquing part. And I really love that the stuff keeps pouring into me and, and it's going to help us in the, in the hiring process too. It's, it's great that we're getting so much, um, that I'm getting so much stuff to critique. I love doing it. Uh, I love seeing people get better. I love seeing the two people that we just hired grow exponentially. I love seeing the staff get excited about storytelling, uh, again, because we're critiquing so much stuff now. People aren't <laughs> used to it, but people are getting, um, more and more into the storytelling thing. Great. And thank you so no much. Problem. This has been wonderful. Do you, uh, I always like to ask as any good journalist should, is there anything <laughs> that we haven't touched on that given the topics we've talked about that you feel you wanted to add? No, I think that you did a great interview. Oh, I can see you. why you're such a great reporter and ah. you're, you're such a great, great one man band. Wow. 
Well, thank you so much. And it, it really is uh, one thing that I will say before we leave is that it really is a pleasure uh, over the past few years since I've been entering the NPPA solo video journalist contest. The competition has gotten so good. It's awesome. And yeah, I, 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 it's such a pleasure because I think, you know, the video journalist, uh, the solo video journalist is still probably carries some kind of a stigma. But I think when you watch the work that's being done and, and the best of the best showing how exactly it can be done, that's that's fabulous to watch. And it's great to have people such as yourself and, uh, you know, watching the work of the winners over the last few years to really feed off, off of. And really, I think it, it takes away any excuse that you could think of as a solo video journalist. Anytime you might want to say, woe is me, you watch some of the work that's being done and you realize, you know what? People are doing it all across the country, and that's a great thing. Yeah, it's, it's been awesome to watch. Joe Fryer, who was heading it up last year, oh, just kept saying to me, my God, this field of people is just as talented as people in the West top. It, it means the stuff can compete, could have compete, competed against any of the team, team stuff, he thought. Um, and that was really cool to hear. People should take a look at it. It was a tough group to be a part of. I will say that. <laughs> uh, it still is. It was a it lot of. It was is. a lot of competition. I'm sorry that I'm out of it now. Um, yeah. But I got to help my guys out now too. And I will post uh, a link to the uh, MPPA YouTube page on the uh, on the page with this podcast, so that folks can see that as well. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being patient. I'm always a pain, kind of a pain in the butt to get hold of. So <laughs> thank you so much. It all worked out. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. Thank you to Ann Herbst, and we'll see you next time.